Throughout 2016, we've been preaching on purpose, focusing on God's fivefold purpose of the church. Now, having already discovered what the Bible teaches about worship, evangelism, fellowship, and discipleship, during the month of July, we are studying ministry, the purpose of serving God and serving others. In Job 10 and verse 8, Job declares to God, Your hands formed and shaped me. In other words, Job recognized that God Himself shaped Job. That God had created and designed Job to be the unique, one-of-a-kind person that He was. Well, the same is true for each and every one of us. God has shaped us to be significant. Each and every individual is shaped differently according to God's purpose and plan. Shaped for significance. In this series, we're discovering and developing our shape. S-H-A-P-E. The S means spiritual gifts. The H is our heart, our passions. The A, our abilities or skills. The P, our personality or temperament. And the E, our experiences, both good and bad in life. And it's all five of these life components that make us the unique and significant individuals that God has shaped us to be. We are shaped for significance. Last Sunday in our first lesson, we focused our attention on the S, how my spiritual gifts shape me. This morning, our focus is on the H, how my heart shapes me. Follow along in your Bible as I read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. Paul is writing to slaves we would say probably in our culture, our context, employees, okay? And he says in verse 6, Obey them, obey your employers, not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good He does, whether He is slave or free. Don't miss those words at the end of verse 6 and the beginning of verse 7. Doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly. The Common English Bible translates this same phrase this way. Passionately carrying out God's will from your heart. Serve enthusiastically. Again, we are shaped for significance. How my heart shapes me. As we continue to consider our God-given shape, let's take note of three things about our hearts this morning. Beginning with defining my heart's desires. When we speak of our heart from a biblical spiritual perspective, what are we talking about. How can we define this in easy to understand everyday terms? Well, notice what it says in Proverbs 27 and verse 19. It is your own self 
that you see in your heart. Simply put, when we refer to the heart of a person, we're referring to the core, the the center of who or what that person really is. Your heart is the real you. Baker's Bible Dictionary explains that the heart is the source of all our motives, the seed of all our passions, the center of all our thought processes, the spring of our conscience. Did you know that physiologically speaking, each and every individual has a unique, one-of-a-kind heartbeat? Just like no two voice prints or fingerprints are the same, so no two heartbeats are exactly the same. Well, the same is true, not just physically, but spiritually. It's true of our motives, our passions, our thoughts, and our consciences. When it comes to the core, the center of who and what we really are, each one of us has a unique, one-of-a-kind heartbeat. I have a heart for things that you do not have a heart for. Which explains why (laughs) sometimes when I'm all excited and passionate about something and you're sitting there going... Because you just don't get it. Because you don't have the same heart. Does that make sense? You have a heart for things that I do not have a heart for. We all have different desires, different passions, different interests, different concerns, different things that motivate us and grab our attention. And it's important to understand that God made us that way. We have different unique hearts by God's design. It's part of how we are shaped by God for significance. To summarize it, let me put it this way. My heart determines three things about me. First of all, it determines why I say what I say. Why I say what I say. Matthew 12.24, Jesus told us, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Secondly, my heart determines why I feel what I feel. Hebrews 4 verse 12 reminds us that God's Word can cut through our spirits and souls until it discovers the feelings, the inner motives and thoughts of our hearts. And thirdly, my heart determines why I do what I do. Why I do what I do. Do. Proverbs 4, verse 23. Let's read this one out loud together. It's at the bottom of this slide. Read it with me. Guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. It affects everything you do. So, when it comes to defining my heart's desires, my heart determines why I say what I say, why I feel what I feel, why I do what I do. The heart is the real me. It is at the core, the center of my being. Your heart is the real you. That leads us to our second main thought to say, and that's detecting my heart's desires. How can we detect whether or not we are truly living out our heart's desires? How can we know whether we are in fact following this unique heartbeat that God has given to us? I can find in the Scriptures at least three tests of that. The first is what I call the enthusiasm test. 
enthusiasm. Remember what we read earlier, Ephesians 6, verses 6 and 7? Again, the common English Bible puts it this way. Passionately carrying out God's will from your heart. Serve enthusiastically. Ecclesiastes 2, verse 10, Solomon wrote, My heart took delight in all my work. Delight. Enthusiasm. Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10, he gives this advice. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with half your might. Is that what it says? No, what's it say? Read it out loud with me. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Don't miss that. All your might. With enthusiasm, with passion, with zeal. You see, one of the primary tests that we have discovered our shape, that we're following our heart's desires, that God has especially given to us, is that we are doing what we do with enthusiasm. We delight in our work. Whatever we do, we are doing it with all our might. As Emerson once said, nothing great was ever accomplished without enthusiasm. So let me ask you, Are you enthusiastic about life? Are you enthusiastic about who you are and what you do? I find a lot of people who aren't. Can I be honest? I mean, there are a whole lot of people out there today who are enduring life. They're not enjoying life. (laughs) That's not the way God wants us to be. God wants us to find our niche and enjoy life. How sad it is to waste your entire life not following your heart's desires. I run into people all the time that tell me, you know, someday I'm going to do this or that. It's on my bucket list. And I want to say, why? What are you waiting for? I mean, get with it. If God has given you a heart, a passion, a zeal, a desire to do something, then go for your God-given heart. So the first test for detecting our heart's desires is enthusiasm. The second test is effectiveness. Effectiveness. Look at Proverbs 16, verses 1 and 3. To man belong the plans of the heart. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Another way, you see, to detect whether or not we're truly living out our heart's desire is to measure our success. Ask yourself the question, am I effective at what I do? Am I making a difference in this world? Am I leaving my mark for the Lord. Because you see, when you are following your God-given heart's desires, God will grant you success. You will be effective beyond human terms. You will be effective in a supernatural way, empowered by the Holy Spirit to make an eternal difference, to leave an impact, to leave a lasting influence in this world around you when you're serving according to your heart. And so the second test for detecting our heart's desires is effectiveness. The third test is excellence. Excellence. Notice what Paul wrote 
to the Macedonians in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 7. He said, Since you excel in so many ways, now I want you to excel in this gracious ministry. Well, of course, excellence, you see, is a mark that we are doing what God has given in our hearts to do. He put it this way, Colossians 3 and verse 23, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Ah, see, that's the key. You're not working for whatever company you work for. You're not working for you know man. You're working for God. When I took a step away from ministry for those years after our daughter died, you know, I worked for Lowe's and people would ask me, so who do you work for? And I would say, God. And they would look at me like I was really strange. Well, I punch a clock. I get paid by Lowe's. But I don't work for Lowe's. Never did work for Lowe's. Never would work for Lowe's. I was working for the Lord. That changes your whole perspective when you see life that way. See, whatever our shape may be, and when we discover that, when we find our fit, when we're following our heart's desires, nobody has to tell us to do a good job. Nobody has to remind us that we ought to strive for excellence. We just do it because we would never ever do it any other way. Adequate isn't in our vocabulary. We would never settle for mediocrity. We will never find ourselves saying, well, this is good enough, or I guess I could get by with that. No. When we're serving and ministering according to our God-given shape, we always do our very, 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 very best. We go for excellence in what we do. So ask yourself, am I striving for excellence in what I do? Am I doing my absolute very best for the Lord? Because the third test for detecting our heart's desires is excellence. In summary then, how can we know that we're following the unique one-of-a-kind heartbeat that God has given us? We need to take a look at our enthusiasm, our effectiveness, and our excellence. All of which leads us to our final main thought this morning, and that's doing my heart's desires. I mean, ultimately, it all comes down to this. We must do what our God-surrendered heart tells us we should do. We must discover our God-given shape and live our lives according to that shape. And an important part of that shape is our God-given heart's desires. So, how can I be sure that I am in fact living according to my God-given heart's desires. Let me suggest these four steps. Number one, I need to sell out my life to Christ. Folks, that's where it begins. I need to sell out my life to Christ. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5, Seek your happiness in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desire. Give yourself to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will help you. Now, I want you to notice the verbs. A little English lesson here. The verbs in this verse. Would you, would you notice that with me? Let me read it again. Seek your happiness in the Lord, and He will give you 
your heart's desire. Give yourself to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will help you. So here's God's conditional promise to us. If we seek Him with all our heart, if we give ourselves wholly and completely to Him, if we trust implicitly in Him, then He will reciprocate and help us. He will give us the desires of our heart. Simply put, if we are completely sold out to Jesus Christ as the forgiver and leader of our lives, then God will give us all of the desires of our hearts. Now please understand, that's a safe promise for God. Because He knows that if we are totally surrendered to Him, then guess what? Our heart's desires will be His heart's desires. Does that make sense? And so our hearts will be broken with what breaks God's heart. Our hearts will be concerned with what concerns His heart. Our hearts will be occupied with what occupies His heart. So this is where it all begins. The first step I can take to start doing my heart's desires is to sell out my life for Christ. Number two, I need to spell out what I enjoy doing. Spell out what I enjoy doing. Doing. Let's read Paul's instructions in Galatians 6, verses 4 and 5 out loud together. Would you read this with me? Everyone should look at himself and test how he does his own work. Then he will enjoy the personal satisfaction of knowing he has done something worth doing without depending upon the approval of others. For we each have our own area of responsibility. We are so much into the approval of others, aren't we? Again, it it comes down to some of us are enduring life because we're living our entire lives under the pressure of trying to please other people. I've talked with a guy here just recently. I asked him about... He owned his own company. He was very successful. And I asked him, so has this been really a fulfilling thing for you to do this? And he goes, oh no. I hate it. And I looked at him and I said, why are you doing it? Well, because that's what my mom and dad expected me to do. They expected me to go to such and such a college and get such and such a degree to keep up the family image. And I've spent my entire life, this guy's now in his 60s, I've spent my entire life living for them. And I thought to myself, Why? And yet people do it all the time. We live for other people's expectations of us. We're looking for their approval. The only approval, folks, that matters is God's approval. And if God has given you a heart for something and you might think, I don't know what other people are going to be thinking about that, just throw that out. It doesn't matter what other people think. It's what God thinks. You've got to do what He's called you to do. You gotta have a heart for what he's given you a heart for. And please him, not others. People often ask me, Do I ever get tired of ministry? 
And I have to answer no. Never. Now, I understand I do get tired in ministry. But I never get tired of ministry. Why? Because this is my God-given shape. This is what I enjoy more than anything else in life. I could never do anything else. I couldn't. Well, I could, you know what I mean. I remember when I was uh, a candidate for ordination. And uh, an old preacher probably close to 90 years old, took me aside and he looked me in the eye and he said to me, Mark, if there is anything else in your life that you can do besides ministry, anything at all that you can do that will give you satisfaction and fulfillment, then please go do it. And I thought, at first, he was trying to tell me don't go into ministry. That's not at all what he was telling me. It was the greatest words of wisdom I needed at that point in my life. Because he was saying to me, look, if this is not your shape, (laughs) if this is not what God has given you the heart to do, if you are not called to do this, then please don't waste God's time, don't waste your time, and don't waste the time of all these poor people who don't need you in ministry if that's not what you're called to do. What's true for me is true for you. So here's some questions you need to ask yourself. What fascinates me? I've known people that actually feel guilty to ask themselves that question. What fascinates me? What do I really love to do more than anything else? What gives me pleasure, satisfaction, fulfillment? What energizes me, you know, floats my boat? What do I think of? What do I dream of in my spare time? I had a friend of mine who used to always ask the question, what gives me a quiver in my liver? <laughs> so I'm going to give you some homework. You ready for this? Take a blank piece of paper this week Get alone with God in an undistracted place. And just on that blank piece of paper, just start writing out your heart's desires. What it is that you love to do. Just start writing it out. Spell out what you enjoy. You might say, Mark, I'm, I'm old. It is never too late. Don't get to the end of your life with regrets. Follow the God-given heart He has given you. So the second step I can take to start doing my heart's desires is to spell out what I enjoy doing. Number three, I need to search out all of my options. Search out all my options. Don't miss what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 5-7. through God's various ministries are carried out everywhere. God's expressions of power are in action everywhere. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. 
as I said last Sunday in our study of spiritual gifts, sometimes the best way to determine your shape, the best way to find your fit is just to find a need, (laughs) a place to serve, a place of ministry, and roll up your sleeves and get busy. Just jump in with both feet. Expose yourself to a variety of opportunities. Don't be afraid to try many different things, to search out all of your options. God has designed a place just for you, a place where you can live out your heart's desires as you serve Him and others. And if that is true, and it is, then you can be certain that as you try this and that, as you explore this and that, as you get involved here and there, God will show you exactly where and how you can serve and minister in a way that comes from your God-given heart. So the third step I can take toward starting to do my heart's desire is to search out all my options. Number four, I need to step out in my faith. I need to step out in my faith. Let's read Joshua 1 and verse 9 out loud together. Read this with me. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That was a word that came from God to Joshua. And Joshua passed on to the Israelites. Right as Joshua was about ready to take a little over a million Israelites across the Jericho River into the Promised Land for the very first time. Talk about a word that was needed. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you. God said to Joshua and to the people, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. Trust me. And many of us, I think, need to hear this first. You see, most people never go after their heart's desires. They never pursue their life's dreams. Why? One word. Fear. They're afraid. Afraid of what? Well, there's three things that come to my mind, for sure. First of all, their fear of ridicule. What are others going to think? It's back to that approval thing. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 but. <laughs> you know. Well, what, what if people think I'm crazy? You ever hear, think about the word dis? Courage. <laughs> Interesting word, huh? Dis courage. To take courage away. Why would we ever allow people to do that to us? Why would we ever be fearful of what they're going to think? That they would discourage us? As God said to Joshua and says to us, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. I'm going to be with you every step. Go for it. Second fear I can think of is a fear of failure. (laughs) It's a big one, isn't it? I always tell people it's better to try something and fail than to try nothing and succeed. In fact, I think we ought to change our thinking about all this. To try something and fail is actually to succeed. Because now you know one thing you're not shaped to do. (laughs) Success. Guess I'm not shaped to do that one. Yeah, put me in a nursery full of kids. I'm not shaped to do that one. (laughs) 
Don't be afraid to go out on a limb because, folks, that's where the fruit is. And third fear I can think of is the fear of the unknown. We would rather stay right where we are, even though we know it is not our shape, than we would to venture into the unknown. I have met people over the years who are miserable with where they are. And I say, so why don't you change? Why don't you, you know, why don't you quit your job and go do what you want to do? Your heart's desire to enjoy life rather than endure it. And they go, oh, I could never do that. Why not? I just don't know if it'd work. It's a fear of the unknown. We would rather stay in the miserable, uncomfortable, wretched place that we are because we know it than we would to move out of that comfort zone into something new. Because we choose security over risk. So fear of failure, fear of ridicule, fear of the unknown... Fear, folks, is the spiritual cholesterol that clogs your veins and stops your heart. And the antidote for fear, of course, is faith. (laughs) Don't miss this in Philippians 2 verse 13. This is a great verse. It is God who is at work within you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire to will and to work for His good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. Don't miss those two words, power and and desire. Isn't that interesting? See, when God gives you a heart's desire, He also gives you the power to do it. It's the power and the desire. And you can do it. If you'll just step out in your faith. So the fourth step, that I can do to start doing my heart's desires to step out in my face. Fourth, so if, if, we, if we want to start living according to our heart's desires, if I want to start living according to my God-given passion and zeal, what He has really shaped me to do, it's going to take these four steps. I've got to sell out my life to Christ. I've got to spell out what I enjoy doing. I've got to search out all my options. And I've got to step out in my faith. Shaped for significance. This morning we focused on the H. How my heart shapes me. Let's sum it all up with this sermon in a sentence. Fill in the blanks there in your notes. Find what God has given me a heart to do and do it for His glory. It's the bottom line. In fact, I want you to read this out loud with me. Would you read it with me? Let's read this together. Find what God has given me a heart to do and do it for His glory. That's what we need to be doing.